Good evening. It's wonderful to see everyone here. We want to thank you for, as Ian said, braving, braving the, uh, the, the weather here to be with us tonight to study God's Word and to sing songs of praise unto our God. It's a wonderful opportunity for us to continue to, to study in God's Word that we can draw that knowledge and draw that wisdom that God wants us to have. That's why we have that Word, so that we can study it, so that we can learn those things, so that we can better understand those things and have that improvement in our Christian life as we continue to, not only on Sunday mornings, but these Wednesday nights, learn about the church and how the church grows and how we can grow and be better disciples in the future than we have in the past. And the way that we can do that tonight is to look at God's Word and study God's Word as we continue in the book of Acts. As, as Brother Ian said, we are in the book... We're in the book of Acts. We're on Acts chapter 7. And Acts chapter 7, if you looked ahead, we have a lot of, there's a lot of verses there. But the good thing is we're going to go through all those verses tonight. And it's going to be good. That, that there, there, are some, there, are, there are some verses there, but a lot of it is just some reading, is just some narrative, and I'm going to bring out some points that we should understand. We're going to go through Acts chapter 7 and tonight, and this is the, the, the chapter here, and I'm going to have all the verses up here on the board, and all the verses are going to be in the King James Version here tonight. But this is Stephen the martyr, and the word martyr, is, it's not there in the, in the scriptures, but many times that's the title or the thing that we give Stephen. If someone says, we're going to talk about Stephen the martyr, well, many of us are going to know exactly who that is and who we're talking about. And I thought it'd be interesting to look at the word martyr there for, uh, for just a moment, because that's what Stephen is or what Stephen does. And we don't have a lot of Stephen. We just introduced Stephen last week week brother Ian introduced him in Acts chapter 6 and so we're going to kind of look at that a little bit so we understand the context of what we're getting into here in Acts chapter 7 and then we have Acts chapter 7 and then Stephen is basically gone but his story the things that he does and the way he acts is very impactful it's very powerful for us for the growth of the church and how we should act like Stephen here Stephen the word martyr in the dictionary the word martyr defined as one who chooses to suffer or die for one's faith or, or principles, one who suffers great pain or misery for a long time, or to be a martyr is to be killed or persecuted for a belief. And I thought that was interesting, and, and many of us might know that. Some of the younger audience here might not know the definition of that word. That's what that word means, that word martyr means someone who chooses to suffer, someone who chooses to die for their belief, for their faith, and for this cause. And we're going to see that Stephen does that or kind of lives out that definition here in Acts chapter 7. And I highlighted in blue, chooses. That when we think about choices, would we make the same choices that Stephen is going to make tonight if we are faced with the same circumstances? We don't face normally that same type of persecution, but we may face some. Do we make the choice to stand up for Jesus, the just one, just like Stephen is about to do, or do we not? I want us to see, are we thinking or reacting in the same way in our lives as Stephen here is? So let's get into this study here. But we're going to go back in Acts chapter 6. Acts chapter 6, verses 9 through 11 here. And actually in Acts chapter 6, verse 8, it says that Stephen was now full of faith and power. Or he's full of the Holy Spirit and power. And he was doing miracles and all these wondrous signs. And people were seeing the things that Stephen was doing. Then it says here in Acts chapter 6, verse 9, the Bible says there... Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called the, the synagogue of the, of the Libertines or, or the freedmen and uh, Cyrenians and, and Alexandrians and of them of Cilicia and Asia disputing with Stephen. So they're arguing here. They're disputing with Stephen. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. So they, they weren't doing a good job in their minds probably. They weren't getting through. 
So they suborned or they bribed, so to speak, men. They bribed these men which said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So if you can recall what Brother Ian talked about, that's why we're kind of recapping some of the end of Acts chapter 6 so we understand what's going on here. That these men are disputing with Stephen and the things that Stephen is talking about. And they they weren't able to resist his spirit or resist his wisdom, so they decided to bribe men to become false witnesses. And if this is already ringing a bell or reminding you of another situation, I hope it does. Acts chapter 6, verse 12 here, the Bible says, And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council. So they capture him, they bring him in front of this council for a trial, so to speak. And set up false witnesses, which said, This man ceaseth not to speak blasphemous words against this holy place and the law. And we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth shall destroy this place and shall change the customs which Moses delivered us. And all that sat in the council, looking steadfastly on him, saw his face as it had been the face of an angel. And, I, and I'm not going to go into exactly what that means or what that looks like, because I'm not, I'm not sure either, just like Ian said. But they looked upon him and they saw something. There was something there that was distinct about Stephen listening to these charges, so to speak, brought upon him by these false witnesses. And it says there that he was speaking blasphemous words against this holy place and the law, which is not true. That's not what Stephen was doing. But it says here that they were saying that, G- that he, he's preaching that Jesus is going to change the customs. Well, that's true. But they didn't like that. They wanted to stay in the law and stay where they're at. And Stephen is preaching this change. That's turning the world upside down. That's what Stephen is talking about. And that's Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth destroying this, this place. But I want us to, to remember that they were talking about this holy place. They were talking about the law. And they were talking about Moses. Because as we go through Acts chapter 7, those things are going to pop up. And that's what Stephen is going to address. He's going to take a minute to get there. But he is going to address these things. And I want us to remember that the charges were speaking blasphemous words against the holy place, against the law, and saying he's going to change the customs of Moses that Moses delivered us. And he's going to talk about the relationship of Moses and these people and how it relates to what's going on right now in that place with Stephen. So let's start here in Acts chapter 7. We've recapped. We kind of know what's going on with Stephen now. So Stephen is given the opportunity to speak. And it says, then the high priest, are these things so? And remember, the counsel that they brought, these are some of the same men that were there when Jesus was on trial. And there were some of the same men that had false witnesses against Jesus. It's the same people. It's the same counsel there. Some Pharisees, as we heard all about the Pharisees, and we know about them, that's the people. That's the counsel. And they give Stephen the floor, and they say, are these things so? And then Stephen starts to go through kind of the history here and some of the dialogue. And he gets to a point here in in a little while about why he's going through these things. And I want us to keep a hold of that as we go here. But in Acts chapter 7, verse 2, the Bible says, And he said, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken, or listen to me. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Charon. And said unto them, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and come into the land which I shall show thee. Then came he out of the land of the Chaldeans, and dwelt in, in Haran or, or Charon. And from thence, when his father was dead, he removed him into this land wherein ye now dwell. 
Verse 5, and he gave him non-inheritance in it. No, not so much as to set his foot on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him for a possession and to his seed here and his seed after him, when as yet he had no child. So God promises Abraham this land, this inheritance. He's not going to say that you're going to get there, Abraham, but your seed, your descendants are going to get there. And Abraham, just as a side note, had enough faith to hear that message and go. And he did, and he went. Verse 6, And God spake on this wise, that his seed should sojourn in a strange land, and that they should bring them into bondage, and entreat them evil four hundred years. And the nation to whom they shall be in bondage will I judge, said God, and after that shall they come forth and serve me in this place. So he, he lays it all out for Abraham here. And Stephen is just recounting these things to these, to these men, to this council. Verse 8, it says, And he gave him the covenant of circumcision. So Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob, and Jacob begot the twelve patriarchs. And the patriarchs, moved with envy, sold Joseph into Egypt. For God, But God was with him, was with Joseph. And delivered him out of all his afflictions, and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt. And all his house. And I hope that some of these things are coming to your mind. We've studied the life of Joseph a lot. So I hope these things are some of the things that you are recalling and remembering that we have studied further. Because Steve is not going into a lot of depth. But he is getting to the point. Acts chapter 7 verse 11. Now, now there came a, a dearth or a famine over all the land of Egypt and, and Canaan. And great affliction. And our fathers found no substance. They found no food. But when Jacob heard that there was corn in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first, or Joseph's brothers. And at the second time, Joseph was made known to his brethren, and Joseph's kindred was made known unto Pharaoh. Then sent Joseph and called his father Jacob to him, and all his kindred threescore and fifteen souls. So now they're all coming down to Egypt. So Jacob went down into Egypt and died, he and our fathers. So that's pretty much saying that's what's happened, is that now they're in Egypt, or they were in Egypt or now they've come to Egypt, that land that's going to be in their, their bondage there. And Jacob and all of them came into Egypt. So that's where the, the children of Israel are there in Egypt. Verse 16, and were carried over into Shechem and laid in a sepulcher that Abraham bought for a sum of money of the sons of Amor, the father of Shechem. 17, but when the time of promise drew nigh, which God had shown to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. So the time of the promise that God told Abraham is coming is what, what Stephen is saying. And the people grew. There's a great multitude of them in Egypt. But verse 18, we start shifting gears here. Until another king arose, which knew not Joseph. And that just means it's, it's, it's getting bad. This king does not know Joseph. Joseph, who was governor over all these things, now a different king or a different pharaoh is in place now. And verse 19 says, The same dealt, dealt subtly or evilly with our kindred, and evil entreated our father, so that they cast out their young children to the end they might not live. In which time Moses was born, and was exceeding fair, and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up, and nourished him for her own son. <clears throat> so now he's, he's kind of recapped a lot, a lot of that history very quickly. And he's re recapped that, 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 that history from Abraham to Moses here. Of how they got there. And now they're in Egypt. They're in that bondage there. And now we're going to start talking about Moses. 
verse 20, it says, In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nursed up in his father's house through three months. And Pharaoh's daughter took him, nourished him, made him her own son. Verse 22, And Moses was learned in all wisdom of the Egyptian and was mighty in words and in deeds. So he spent many years there growing up in Pharaoh's house. He had education. He had tutors probably and all these things. And Moses was very well educated. And also says here that he was mighty, not just in words, but also in deed. Verse 23, and when he was, uh, was full, 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he, he defended him and avenged him that was uh, oppressed and smote the Egyptian or killed the Egyptian there. He saw his brethren so he knew he was of the children of Israel he saw his brethren one was being oppressed one was being afflicted and he killed the Egyptian that was doing those things verse 25 or he supposed his brethren would have understood how that God by his hand would would uh, deliver them but they understood not and I'm going to get to that point because that kind of seems out of place if you study this chapter already or if you study the life of Moses you see that this comment might seem like it should be later but Stephen, if you remember, Stephen is speaking to the council. None of this stuff is new to them. They know what's going on. They know the life of Moses. They know the life of Abraham. And Stephen is getting to a point. So his comment here is well-placed as he's getting to this connection that he's about to make. That these, the council men know this story. And they know what's going on. Acts chapter 7, verse 26, the Bible says, And the next day he showed himself unto them, as, as they strove, or they were fighting with each other, and, and would have set them at one again, saying, Sirs, ye are brethren, why do you do wrong one, one, one to another? Or why are you fighting, y'all are brethren? Verse 20 says, But he that, that did his neighbor wrong thrust him away, or pushed him away, Moses, and said, Who made thee a ruler and a judge over us? Wilt thou kill me, as thou didst the Egyptian yesterday? Then fled Moses at this saying, and was a stranger in, in, in the land of Median, where he begot or fathered two sons. So Moses there is trying to do the right thing. And this, his brethren, pushes him away and says, who made you a ruler? Who made you a judge over me? You've got no right. You've got no place. I'm going to push back against you, Moses, because you, who has made you ruler over, over, over me? So you get that pushback already from, uh, from Moses, from the children of Israel there. And that's the point that Stephen is kind of going to, coming to get, get to here later. Where it, it, it says here in verse 30, And when 40 years was expired, so now Moses is 80, there appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai an angel of the Lord in a flame of fire in a bush. Verse 31, When Moses saw it, he wondered at the sight, and as he drew near to behold it, the voice of the Lord came unto him saying, I am the God of thy fathers, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Then Moses trembling, and durst not behold, or he did not dare look at what was going on. He heard this voice, it was the voice of the Lord, and said, I am the God of your fathers, the God that you have probably forgot about, and I've got something for you to do now. It's, it's kind of what he's going to get at here. And Moses is trembling there. And in verse 33 it says, And then said the Lord to him, Put off your shoes, put off thy shoes from thy feet, for the place where thou standest is holy ground. I have seen, and I, I have seen, I have seen the affliction of my people, which is in Egypt, and I have heard their groaning, and I am come down to deliver them. 
and now come, and I will send thee into Egypt. This Moses, whom they refused, saying, Who made thee a ruler and a judge? The same did God send to be a ruler and a deliverer by the hand of the angel which appeared to him in the bush. Verse 36, he, he brought them out. After that, he showed them wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. So he's making a point to these people. He's saying here, just like your fathers, which he's going to get to that here later, he's saying the people there pushed back Moses. And he said the Moses that they refused and that they rejected, God made him a ruler and a judge. Because remember that saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us, Moses? Well, here it's saying God made him a ruler and a judge. But the, but the children of Israel were pushing back against him. Remember that? And he showed him, and Moses showed him many wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and in the Red Sea and in the wilderness. And you know, Jesus did the same thing. Jesus showed many signs and many wonders. And what did he get from the Pharisees? Pushback. They said, who has made you a ruler or a judge? It was a very similar thought there, that these men are pushing back against Moses. And that's what the connection that I think Stephen is making here is with the just one, which is Jesus and Moses here. An example of how the children of Israel react to Moses and how they are now reacting to Jesus. Verse 37, this is that Moses which said unto the, children, unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren, like unto him shall ye hear. We know because we've studied John, we've studied stuff, that is a prophecy about Jesus. That the prophet that John the Baptist said was not him, it was Jesus. That is a prophecy of Jesus that Moses said, God is going to raise up a prophet like me. See, there's a similarities in Moses and Jesus. And there's similarities to how people reacted to Moses and to Jesus. And that's what Stephen is making a point here. Verse 38, this is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel which spake to him in the Mount Sinai and our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. That many times those children of Israel wanted to turn back. They wanted to go back to Egypt. They wanted to go back to that bondage. And that's kind of what he is describing here. He said, this is, this is Moses who brought down these, these oracles, these, these tablets, these commandments, this law. And the, what did the children of Israel do there? They rejected it. And their hearts turned back towards Egypt. Verse 40, saying unto Aaron, make us gods to go before us. For as for this Moses, which brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot or we know not what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days and offered sacrifices unto idols and rejoiced in the works of their own hands. Then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets, O ye house of Israel, have ye offered to me slain beasts and sacrifices by the space of 40 years in the wilderness? So he's describing the people turning from God. That they turned from Moses, they turned from those lively oracles, and they turned and they said, make us a calf, make us gods from our own hands. Let's worship them. And they're not listening. Verse 43, yea, 
Ye took up the taber- tabernacle of Moloch and the star of, of your god Rephan, figures which ye made to worship them, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. Verse 44, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he had appointed, speaking unto Moses that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen, which also our fathers that came after brought in with, with uh, Joshua, that, that's Jesus there, but it's translated into Joshua, into the, the, the possession of the Gentiles whom God drove or drove out before the face of our, of our fathers unto the days of David. So they had that tabernacle. They made it according to the pattern that God had him do. And then it, it, it says here in verse 46, who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for, for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. So now Stephen's really kind of wrapping it up and getting to his point because he's, he's making these years just shrink really quick in a couple of verses here. So he's saying, you've got the, the tabernacle, but Solomon built him a house. And do you recall some of the charges that they put upon Stephen was about the holy place, about destroying the holy place. And now he's making that connection too. Verse 48, Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet. Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Hath not my hands made all these things? So it's saying that the charges that you're bringing me about that Jesus of Nazareth is going to destroy this temple, and he's speaking about this temple, he's basically getting to the point that you guys are holding on to something that is not necessary. It's not needful anymore. It said Jesus has come, and it says here in this prophecy, God's made everything. God's not in that temple. God's not in that tabernacle. Those things are, are, are done away with or torn in two because of Jesus Christ. But these men want to hold on to those things. They want to turn back to Egypt, so to speak, is what he's talking about here in front of this council here. <clears throat> then he gets to his, I guess, big punch, I guess you would say, because I'm sure this hurt. He's saying here, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart, and that stiff neck there, that means stubborn. You stubborn and uncircumcised in heart and ears, you do always resist the Holy Ghost as your fathers did, so do you. That's what he went all through that for. He went through all that history to show you are stubborn just like your fathers were before you. You always resist the Holy Spirit. You always resist God. Make us a calf. Where's Moses? We're tired of waiting. Take us back to Egypt. They were saying that at the edge of the Red Sea. We can't even cross the Red Sea now. Take us back. We'd rather be in bondage to the Egyptians. And this council and this Pharisees are wanting to stay in bondage to the law. That's done. That's Egypt, so to speak, if that, that helps you understand. Don't go back to Egypt. Stephen is saying, you are stubborn and you are uncircumcised in heart and ears. And that's, that's got to be very hard to hear. Because for one, the word circumcision means everything to these men. And two, he's saying that the circumcision of your flesh profits you nothing if your heart is not right and your ears won't hear. And he's saying, that's what you guys have got going on. It's saying, verse 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have been now the betrayers and murderers. So he's saying, 
in my vernacular, I guess, he's almost saying, name me a prophet that you guys haven't persecuted. Name me a prophet that you haven't killed that was, was proclaiming the coming of the just one. And Stephen here is doing the same thing. Stephen here is saying that Jesus is the one. Jesus is, is the holy one. He is the, he is the just one. He is the one that can save your souls. I'm sure Stephen was preaching gospel after gospel before he was hauled off to this council. And they didn't like that. They wanted their place. They wanted their status. And they were threatened by Stephen. So what did they do? They kill him. They find false witnesses. They place false accusations upon this man. But Stephen doesn't hold back. Who has received the law by the disposition or direction of angels and have not kept it? He's saying the law that you guys are wanting to keep, you don't keep. He's saying the law that you guys are holding on to, you don't even do it. You can't even keep it. That is bondage. Why go back to that? Why stay with that? Because they had status? Because they were important people? Acts 7, verse 54, the Bible says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. That means they were angry. They were very angry. Verse 55 says, But he, that Stephen, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Can you just imagine how Stephen would feel then? It doesn't matter if you get stoned now. He's, he's looking up into heaven and seeing the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. So whatever comes next, Stephen has that sight. Jesus or he, Stephen sees those things. That's got to fill him up because he can see the gnashing of teeth. He knows they're not happy. But Stephen, full of faith, full of the Holy Ghost, sees Jesus standing on the right hand of God. I'm sure that filled him up with joy. If you recall back in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 2, verse 36 through 38, Peter delivered a very similar message Maybe not with the same punch, maybe not to the same people, so to speak, or in the same circumstances. But Peter says some of the same things. And Peter says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ, that you have crucified. Just like Stephen just said, y'all are the murderers of Jesus Christ. Here he's saying y'all are the ones that murdered Jesus Christ. But in verse 37, it says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts, or they were cut to the heart. Same, same, does that sound very familiar? It's the same type of words here. And they said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Did they gnash at Peter with their teeth? Were they upset with Peter? No. They heard that message, and they, being pricked or cut in their hearts, said, What do we do? And Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's a quite a different reaction, right? That's a different reaction than what's happening here in verse 7. Stephen's about to be stoned to death. They didn't stone Peter to death. And there's a point that, that I want to make that when we hear, and we hear this word, or we deliver this word, how are our hearts when we hear that word? Acts chapter 7, verses 57 here. Verse 57 through 60, the end of Acts chapter 7 here. The Bible says, Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him 
with one accord. And I find that wording very interesting. Uncircumcised in heart and ears. And here it says, not only that, they stopped their ears. They're done listening to Stephen. And they ran upon him with one accord. Verse 58, and cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the young man's feet, whose name was Saul. Verse 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Verse 60, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. And when it says there he fell asleep, he died. He was stoned to death for the things that he says. He was stoned to death for preaching Jesus Christ to these people. He was stoned to death. And while they were doing that stone, they laid their clothes at the feet of someone named Saul. And we're going to get into Saul a lot more as we go and study the book, the, the book of Acts. So just keep that in mind. But Stephen did not hold back. Stephen said everything that needed to be said regardless of the consequences to him or to himself. And he's saying there, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he just saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Receive my spirit. But that message there that he gave to those men turned out to his death. Where Peter gave a very similar message to those people that turned out with 3,000 souls being saved. And it reminds me of James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21. Here the Bible says, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. Those people in Acts chapter 2, I believe, were slow to, or were slow to speak and slow to wrath. And they were swift to hear, and they heard that word, and it cut them. And they received with meekness that engrafted word, which, guess what, was able to save their souls. Those other men, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. And that's what happened in Acts chapter 7. That was not the righteousness of God. That was the wrath of man poured out upon someone who was delivering the righteousness of God. How do we receive that word? Do we receive it with meekness, that engrafted word, which is able to save our souls? As we close, I want us to read just a few verses of the next chapter, Acts chapter 8, just to kind of close out this, this Stephen story here. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, the Bible says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. And I don't know if you've looked up that word consenting, or maybe you know exactly what it means. It's, it's he was happy. He was taking pleasure in what was happening to Stephen. He was consenting. He was agreeing. He was saying, yes, put him to death. That's kind of what that word means. He was consenting unto his death. And at that time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. So it, it makes a point that, that they were scattered, but not everybody was scattered. The apostles were still there in Jerusalem, and, and, and there could have been others. But it said that many were scattered abroad. Verse 2, and devout men carried Stephen to his burial and, they, and made great lamentation over him. Lots of crying, lots of tears for a man of God. Verse 3, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every house and hauling or dragging men and women and committing them to prison for what? For being a Christian, for being like Stephen. 
Stephen they stoned to death, and now Saul is taking people like Stephen and hauling them into, into, into prison. Verse 4, therefore they were scattered abroad. Therefore they that were scattered abroad went everywhere preaching the word. So even though they were scattered abroad, they were going to areas of, of Samaria and, and Judea, the word of God was still being preached, and the word of God was still spreading. Really, really quick here, <clears throat> I've got my map. As it says here, we are in Jerusalem, and it said that they were scattered to areas of Samaria and Judea, and we're actually going to get into a story that kind of takes place somewhere in between these two spots soon. So we see that they're, uh, and they're also going to other places too, but I want us to see that the apostles are still here in Jerusalem where all this is starting. Acts chapter 2 began, and some of them are starting to scatter abroad, and what's happening is the word of God is spreading. And they want the word of God to spread and to continue to spread like we want to do here today. And it brings to mind what Brother Ian talked about the other day, where it says in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 through 20, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I command you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the ends of the world. Amen. Well, we talked about that great commission, how we should bring Jesus to the world, that we go about spreading the gospel. And we kind of see the beginnings of this in Acts. And that's really exciting to me because right now it's still kind of small and it's starting to, to blossom or to grow. And it's, it's very exciting. And those ripples or that growth has not stopped. It is still going. And we can be like these people that we're going to study in Acts chapter 8 and 9 and 10 and all through the book of Acts that we can continue to preach this word just like Stephen did, regardless of the circumstances that might befall us if we all have the faith to be like Stephen. Tonight, if you are not a child of God, if you have not been baptized in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to, to be that Christian, to start those first steps of having that Christian life, we have water behind me here. We are prepared to, to, to assist you in, in that if you wish to be baptized and have your sins washed away, that you can rise and walk in newness of life. That's the gospel message. That's what we're teaching. That's what we're studying. That saving faith that John talked about. We got all those things. And we're actually going to be studying uh, baptism next. But we have that here ready now. If you want to take that step, we are prepared to help you and assist you with that. Or if you are a child of God and you need the prayers of the church, <coughs> or if there's anything that we can help you with, so we ask that you ask that you please sit on the front row and make your wishes known as we stand and we sing.